The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fifth chapter. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. This is such an exciting opportunity, since God has made us have some Sabbath, that you've got nowhere to go. So, you know, I don't know, 45 minutes for a sermon? Don't worry, it's all right. It's going to start snowing again, so we can't go too long, right? Hey, let's, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, give us your Holy Spirit that we encounter your word this day. And thank you as your word has come to us already in our singing and in our scripture. Uh, may it come to us now, indeed, in these words. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I love in our gospel reading. Oh, no, I, fa I, got, oh, I found it, found it, found it, found it. Thank you. Thank gosh. I couldn't find my sermon a minute ago, and man, everybody's on top of it. It's so amazing. Get him his sermon. Yeah. Way to go. Way to go. Thank you, team. Um, so, I love how in the gospel reading today, the first thing we hear about is that everyone's pressing in, pressing in to hear Jesus. He's done a few things in Capernaum and in the Sea of Galilee area, and people are pressing in. Um, let's get in on the story. What's going on with this guy, Jesus? People are being healed. He's preaching with power. We've that's really what we've heard in the Gospel of Luke in particular is that he preached in the synagogue and everybody was amazed. And then last week, after he included Gentiles in that preaching of the kingdom, that people wanted to throw him off a cliff. They do want to find out what's going on. We have been pressing in, haven't we? That's why we got up the hill today to hear from Jesus. But when I thought about this image of pressing in, I thought about how many people were pressed into grocery stores over the last few days. Snowmageddon or whatever. 
And it's a legitimate concern. We got to get all of our things stocked up. But I was intrigued by seeing the lines down the aisles and the bare um, shelves. People were pressing in. They were pressed together. Um, I think about when you're pressed together trying to get into an entry to a big Seahawk game or a a big sporting event or concert where you all have to go through the security and everybody's pressing in. People were just that way with Jesus. They had converged together to hear him preach. And so, where are you today? Where are you when it comes to pressing in to hear God's word to hear from Jesus. I think about what is the Word of God, and it's clearly scripturally, as you look at that term in the New Testament, it's a message that Jesus gives. It's a message about Jesus, and it's even Jesus himself. And so here we are today, not so pressed in, but have worked hard to get here, to hear from Jesus. It made me think of why we show up at all on any given Sunday, or why we open up the Scriptures. You know, why, do we, why are we a part of a church community, a faith community, especially in these times and in our culture where it's really about entertainment? You know, it's about, uh, you know, you're a consumer. When it comes to churches, pastors, we... We struggle because, well, we've got to have this or that put together. And, and as church leadership, we've got to have these things. And it's a temptation to try and come up with all this more bells and whistles than the person down the street because we're in that culture and people do that. They kind of shop church. You know, what, what meets my needs the best? And at a certain level, I'm not criticizing that. I mean, you want to find a church that fits and works for you. But ultimately, why we come together is to press in to hear the Word of God. That's what makes us who we are. In fact, in our own confessions as a Lutheran church, we say that if you preach the Word rightly and administer the sacraments rightly, that's the church. It's not a building. It's not an organization. It's not a hierarchical structure of power and authority. It's where's the word preached. And so that's what makes us a church. And so we do each Sunday come together to hear the word of God. We open our own Bibles at home to hear the word of God. We look forward to small group opportunities that we're already involved in or some new ones that are going to be offered to us starting today and in the next few weeks for us to plug in and press in to be community, to encounter the Word of God. That's why we're here. I just had to take this opportunity as people pressed in to hear Jesus to remind us why we're pressed in. How hungry are we to hear the Word of God? So what was happening for the people when they pressed in to hear the Word? Jesus, I love this. Peter, I'm getting in your boat. And Peter doesn't have much of a choice. And this guy, Jesus, and he doesn't, Peter doesn't have a lot of experience with him yet in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus kind of commandeers his boat. I'm going to use your boat 
Let's press out into the shallow water just off from shore. We're going to make the Sea of Galilee a little amphitheater, and I'm going to teach. And so Jesus does that. Of course, where are the disciples and the would-be disciples? They're washing their nets. They've been working hard all night fishing, which is what fishermen did in that day. They would work all night and come in and bring their harvest in. And this particular night, they had caught nothing, nothing. How are you doing with washing your nets? I mean, we're busy, aren't we, with washing our nets, taking care of the everyday, the ordinary stuff of life, getting the kids where they need to go, getting the bills paid, getting the groceries, getting the laundry done. We're busy washing our nets. And I just love that Jesus really doesn't even ask permission. He just gets into their boat gets into that boat, and, and I can't help but to think about how in the faith of our baptism that Jesus has just climbed into our lives. And that's why I love baptism of infants and children is because it makes it very clear that it isn't our choosing, it's God choosing of us. And that's what we believe happens in baptism. Jesus has gotten into our boat with all of our questions and struggles in this broken world where there's tragedies and loss and all kinds of difficult, vexing questions about how God is at work in the world, Jesus has simply gotten into our lives. And once he's there, he preaches and he teaches. And the exciting thing is that he'll use our boat, just like he used the disciples' boat, Peter's boat, as God's platform, as his platform to preach. And so I started thinking this week about how our lives, our boats, our assets, our education, our jobs, our families, our homes, our cars, our technology, all of our, all that we have, God gets into our boat and he's going to use it as a platform for God's word. Do you think about your life that way? Do you think about your life that the one reason I'm here is to be a platform for Almighty God, for Christ, to get His Word out to the world? God in Christ has gotten into our boat and He will use our lives as we relate to our kids or our parents or our grandparents or our neighbor next door or our classmates, our workmates. The folks that we rub shoulders with every day, God wants to use our life to be his platform. Oh, I've seen this happen in such powerful ways. I love our new little weekly newsletter. Are you opening it up? That love in action little email or you can click on and you can see how God is using us to get his word out into the world. I love the one recently with Julie um, as she volunteers to use her arms to rock babies down at the hospital who are born into this world addicted to drugs. I loved the one the week before where so many of our congregation are part of that Backpack for Kids program. God's using us to be a platform for His Word. 
I loved hearing about recently a conversation someone had with someone else at Starbucks who's pretty much agnostic and struggling with all kinds of questions. And I thought, you know what? As you're engaging with them in those conversations, God is using your life as a platform. Wow, thank goodness. And I could go on for a long time about love and action and how God has used this congregation and is using you as an individual to be his platform. Push out into the shallow water and Jesus will teach. He will teach through us, in us, with us. That's what our lives are about. But then something interesting happens in the story, doesn't it? Jesus is done preaching. And now, again, you know, it's interesting. He doesn't ask Peter. Hey, Peter, would you think about, if you have time, if you're so inclined push out into the deep water. He didn't ask to get in his boat. He just got in there. Now, Peter didn't kick him out. Let's give him that. <laughs> and so now he's out there, and he says, now let's go back out into the deep water. And Peter, what does he say? Uh, Jesus, we've been doing this all night. We've not caught anything. And then I love this little phrase. But if you say so, say that with me, if you say so, one more time, if you say so, oh man, doesn't God's word come to us like that? In the midst of so many contradictions, things don't make sense. Why are you calling me to do this, God? Why do you want me to do this? And the act of faith in the midst of that is to simply respond like Peter did. If you say so, I'll do it. I mean, the greatest confession of faith in all the New Testament is where Mary says, let it be done with me according to your word. Peter doesn't quite say it as eloquently. He says, if you say so. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but a lot of times that's my confession of faith. If you say so. Like when I'm struggling with whether or not God is love, whether or not there is hope in this world, but in the resurrection, Jesus says that God is love. He, I, God so loved the world, he gave his only son, he gave me to, to bring redemption to all the world. And sometimes I go, I don't see it. But you know what? At the, at the end of the day, if you say so, if you say so, sometimes God's call to us doesn't make sense. And it's certainly hard. I mean, we can talk about the blessings of being a Christian, but sometimes being a Christian, following Christ to the cross, makes our life harder, if we're honest. The TV preachers might not tell you that. But I, I have to tell you that. Sometimes following Christ makes our life harder. We have to stick with relationships that we'd have typically just bailed on. We have to have some difficult discernment about that, of course. But we, we don't just get to look at the suffering around us and say, well, they made some bad decisions. I don't need to worry about them. Sometimes forgiving is hard. Sometimes following Christ, going out into the deep water, means sacrificing some of your time. <laughs> I'm not going any further on that one. 
I'll convict me. I'll be like, okay. Man, it's... you know, it, it totally changes our priorities. Our culture says this is the priority, and our faith says, no, this is the prior- priority of your life. I mean, g- what about first fruits giving? I mean, my goodness, you know, that doesn't seem to make sense. But God says, you know, give to me first, and I will provide. Push out into the deep water. I talked to a member. I couldn't believe they actually did this um, about a year ago, and they had heard us preaching a little bit on stewardship, and we don't do that a lot here as far as money go. We're not harping on money all the time. We harping about stewardship. We'd certainly do that. But heard in our stewardship emphasis about first fruits giving, he started, and he and his wife started to give first fruits, and then they even said, we're going for a tithe. And now he said to me, ever since we've done that, Bill, our business has taken off. God is just so supplied for us. Now, don't hear me telling you, do this so that God will provide. But it's like, push out. It was hard for them. They pushed out into the deep water, and my goodness, look what happened. I don't know what God's calling you to do in pushing out into the deep water, but maybe something's coming up now. Where's that challenge? Where's that point that's a little scary, and it doesn't make sense, but God's calling me to step out, to row out there, into the deep water. Maybe it's the courage to actually invite someone you've been thinking about inviting to church. You know? Maybe, I don't know, what, what is it for you? Think about that for just a minute. What is the Spirit stirring you up in you that's that deep water place, that place where it doesn't make sense, I'm going to have to get out of my comfort zone, I'm going to have to do something different, I'm going to have to not be in my rut, I'm going to have to, maybe it is a small group, maybe it is I'm going to join a small group that's coming up, one of those offerings that we're hearing about. I don't know. But I think sometimes being a follower of Christ means if you say so, I'll do it. And then, interestingly enough, what happens? Peter goes out there, and you get this huge catch of of fish. Let's get some more boats out here because it's breaking our nets. And we fill up the boats, and they're sinking, and we barely make it ashore. A theophany, as we call it. We're in the season of epiphany, which means revelation. And so what's the revelation of this text? Peter sees all these fish, and what does he do? I am unworthy. He does exactly what you heard Isaiah did. When Isaiah was swept up in a vision to heaven and Isaiah sees God Almighty with the cherubim and seraphim and he sees this and he knows he's a person of unclean lips and if that was true, you would die in the presence of a holy God because we are unholy. Peter does the same thing. I'm an unworthy man and he kneels down. I won't kneel down. I might not get up. So... But he kneels down and, he, and, and he, he responds to Jesus like you would if you were before Almighty God. And it's interesting <laughs> that Jesus does not say, Peter, get up, I'm just a man, stop it. Some of our hyper-modern scholars want to say that the church invented Jesus' divinity If this story has been passed along rightly, which I think it certainly has, Jesus accepts his homage. He accepts it. He doesn't deny it. He accepts being treated like God and then says, don't be afraid. 
Peter should be afraid. We should be afraid. But in the grace of God in Jesus Christ, we don't have to operate our lives in fear anymore. Get up. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. I love the old translation in English. I will make you fishers of men, fishers of people. Because that verb fishing is actually, it literally means being caught up, um, being um, taken in control of something. That's really what that word means. It's not used very often in the New Testament. So I'm going to help you. I'm going to make you be someone that catches other people up in the kingdom of God. Um, wow. At this point, you might be wishing, just like Peter, um, I wish I could see that kind of catch of fish. Because if I could see that, I'd do just like Peter did. If I could see with my own eyes, I will follow Jesus, I will do exactly, I'll leave everything and follow him. If I could see something like that. Well, I want to tell you that you have. Easter Sunday. Peter, at this point, didn't get to see what you've gotten to see, that the tomb is empty and Jesus appeared to hundreds of people. The tomb is empty and Jesus appeared. Jesus is raised from the dead to proclaim to you that he is God and that God is good and he loves us and he's called us to be people who get other people caught up in the kingdom of heaven and become fishers of people. It would be horrible if I ended this sermon without saying this to you. Because it's hard to catch people. It's hard to connect people to Christ. It's hard to engage people in conversation. And man, do we need to be challenged to do that in all of our congregations more and more. We're not having 10 kids anymore. We're only having 2.5 or 1.8 or whatever it is. And if we don't start engaging all these nuns, these people who are struggling to have faith, don't have faith, have misconceptions of what the church is, if we don't start engaging with them, um, we're not going to get very far. We've, we've got to start having those conversations and it's so hard to do but let's just pray today that the holy spirit will guide us in that let's let go of the anxiety and just say lord use us um, we're going to go out into the deep water um, you've got our boat god use it as you use our lives let it be your platform and just let god the holy spirit do it but here's the the greatest news because we jumped right away that we've got to help other people get into the net. Here's the good news. God in Christ has caught you up. Each and every one of you, God in Christ, has caught up into the net. And I look at these wonderful windows and there's crosses in them. But maybe they're also like a net too. That we've been caught up into the net of Christ's kingdom and his love and his forgiveness and the promise of eternal life. That's the really good news that I want to end today with. Thanks be to God. He's caught us. He's captured us into his kingdom.